Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Friday, and you know, sometimes I think to myself, we should talk about some headlines that other people are not talking about. So I'm in studio. Nat Becker is here. And so, Nat, I have a couple of headlines here at the outset of the hour that I'm pretty excited about. All right. One of them is rebranding, it's a rebranding headline. So, you've heard the term shark attack. And um, you've you've heard people talk about things like, well, I lost my arm in a shark attack, like, let's say. Right. Well, that the shark, the shark attack is being rebranded by advocates of the shark. Um, So it's Shark Week. I didn't really I wasn't even aware of that. But apparently this is Shark Week and uh, they get their own week. And there are advocates out there who want the shark attack to no longer be called a shark attack, because after all, um, the shark is just behaving as a shark normally would um, when food jumps into its environment. So uh, if you would stay out of, I mean, the shark is not actually entering the human habitat to attack the human. The human has entered the shark habitat and therefore is perceived as food and the shark's just acting like shark. And so they would like to rebrand the shark attack as a shark interaction. A shark interaction? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so what happens if the shark attack, like, just... Like a negative interaction? Yes, I think that would be called a negative interaction. If you, it will be dubbed. Yes, they would like more neutral words to be used. Uh, let's see. Um, yes, negative encounter or uh, simply an incident um, or simply um, a nibble. Uh, shark attack is a lie, the University uh, of Sydney researcher says here. And so they would like to have shark attacks rebranded as a nip. Sometimes I it's just a nip. The shark isn't actually, I know. Arm I lost to my a arm negative in a shark nip. Yeah. Nibble. So there you go. That is one headline today to consider. Sharks being sharks uh, as they will. Here was my other headline this morning that I felt like you might enjoy, Nat. Um, so someone spent $28 million for the chance to uh, have a seat on Jeff Bezos' first flight into space. Yeah. So uh, so that flight is going to is going to happen. And the passengers were going to include Jeff Bezos, his brother, an 82 year old pilot named Wally. And then this anonymous bidder who put up twenty eight million dollars and won like won this con like, right, I guess a bunch of people yeah, yeah. put in bids and this guy won. Um, and so now this mystery cadet is backing out because of, quote, scheduling conflicts. What? They're not getting their money back. The twenty, the twenty-eight million dollars for the seat has already been paid, and they're not getting their money back. But they have a scheduling conflict. I'm just so. So here's my curiosity, Nat. If you had spent, well, first of all, if you had twenty-eight million dollars, I'm hoping you wouldn't spend it this way. But if you were to spend it this way, um, seeking to get a ride into space, what what kind of event would have to be on your calendar for you to not only forego your twenty-eight million dollars, but your chance to go to space? I don't know that I could drop anything for a chance to go to space. Probably wouldn't spend $28 million on it, but. (laughs) 
So here's the fun part of the story. Do you know who bidder number two? Who was the backup bidder? So we don't know how much the backup bidder paid yet, but you got to assume oh, it was pretty yeah. close to $28 million, right? Yeah. I mean, something somewhere in the neighborhood, right? Yep. So um, that guy put the bid in, and the seat was for his son, who just graduated from high school. So the person who's now going to space is 18-year-old Oliver Damon. Um, and so Ollie from the Netherlands, recent high school graduate, 18 years old, wow. is now going to get the fourth seat on Jeff Bezos' flight to space. I'm thinking this is a pretty good, like, lead-in to, like, his his first interaction with girls in college. <laughs> I, I've been to space. I've been to space. I mean, you know, what have other guys got? Well, I don't know, but I've been to space. Okay, there you go. That's what I have for you in uh, fun Lead-off headlines on this Friday morning, July the 16th. Uh, Next up, we got Adam Holtz joining us from Focus on the Families Plugged In. We're going to talk about what's on the big and the small screen. Those of you uh, so thankful on our text line that we did not play Baby Shark. Um, we did play Ticket to Ride. And we now have Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In, who apparently is a Shark Week freak and has a testimony about a shark interaction. I Welcome, do. sir. It's good to talk to you, Carmen. I'm Actually, I was sitting here singing Baby Shark. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so many directions we could go with this, but, uh, yeah, I was swimming in the Caribbean and I, I was snorkeling, uh, that's a long time ago, 1994. And there was this, uh, school of spotted eagle rays, which are little, little manta rays. They're not dangerous or poisonous and they have little, little white dots on their back. And one of them came up to say hi to me. And at that point I promptly freaked out and, uh, swam the other direction. So, <laughs> cause, uh. I guess I'm just a big chicken. That's all right. <laughs> That's okay. So, um, of of all the things that is, that is out there are out there on the internet, there is a um, there is a YouTube uh, video called "Stay Out of the Shark's House." Okay, I was going to bring it up. I didn't know if it was appropriate. I, it I have is, no idea if it's appropriate, but no, I, it, okay. I I I love her. This is like the iconic no. YouTube video ever in my life. This is a family meme in our house. I'm, I'm totally blanking on her name, so forgive me. Veronica uh, Pooh Nash. Polite? Yeah, Sister Pooh. Yeah, Sister, Sister Pooh. Poo, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, she talks about how don't go in the ocean. It's the shark's house. And the, the, the money line is you go in the shark's house, you get eight. And I mean, she's like driving to, sh- to church. No, and she's ripping. totally she's driving to church. She's, she's got her phone like on her dashboard yeah. making this YouTube video that is absolutely. Yes. I mean, it, if you've never it's watched hysterical. a YouTube video, this is the one you should watch. Well, we watch this thing. I'm, I'm serious. We watch this thing about once a month because it's, we just need a little taste of Sister Pooh's riffing on why. You shouldn't ever get in the water. Ever. And, no. I mean, you could go uh, to the beach 
But, you know, stay on the beach. Don't get into the shark's house. Like, you yeah, get in the water, the you're in the shark's house. house. That's the shark's house. And you're gonna, you get in there, you get et up. You look like you a chicken. Ate. A chicken comes into my house, it's going to get et up. I mean, that's yep. what she, she is hilarious. All right, so stay out of the shark's house. Um, stay out of the shark's house. Is a YouTube, she, it's just hilarious. There's, there's also one exclamation of Jesus' name at the end. That could be a misuse or it could be a desperate prayer, depending on how you want to parse it. <laughs> so um, it's hysterical. It is totally hysterical. Okay. Um, now having reviewed uh, maybe the one YouTube video that I uh, have seen multiple times in my And life. my favorite. And my, my favorite. favorite. Let's review Space Jam. Yeah, Space Jam. So obviously back in 1996... Uh, it was a long time ago, 25 years ago for those scoring at home. Michael Jackson teamed up with Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, and they played basketball against aliens. Now, not a great movie, but it's kind of become one of those cultural benchmark kind of things, you know, especially if you were growing up at that moment. Well, as all things that were even moderately successful in the past, uh, we now have a sequel with LeBron James called Space Jam, A New Legacy. Um, I won't weigh into the LeBron James, Michael Jordan uh, controversy discussion other than to say I grew up with Michael. So there you go. That's kind of where I land. Uh, I, I had no expectations going into this movie at all. I'm like, OK, LeBron James and Looney Tunes playing basketball. This movie surprised me, Carmen. Um, really, really, really strong emphasis. And I'll say really again on fatherhood and family. And the two parts of the story is LeBron James is having kind of a, a he's hit a rough spot with his teenager, Dominic. Uh, LeBron wants him to practice basketball, but Dominic is sort of a savant when it comes to creating video games. And LeBron doesn't really un understand his son's interest in wanting to be a video game designer and not a professional basketball player. So they're in a, in a rough spot and through a crazy series of twists and turns, they get sucked into the servers, as in computer servers, at Warner Brothers Studios, uh, and their whole family and all of the of LeBron James' social media following. So hundreds of thousands of people who end up as spectators at a basketball game. And the bad guy here is played by Don Cheadle, and he's fantastic. And the bad guy's name is Al G. Rhythm. Get it? Mm -hmm. Algorithm. And He's trying to become famous because he's tired of not getting any credit for all the amazing things he does. And so he says, if you can play against my digital creations and win, I will let you escape the servers. If not, you and your family and everybody who is here stays forever. Um, the movie itself is silly, but man, the family messages are great. Uh, there's some profanity. One of the annoying things they do is that uh, and, and fun, too. There are characters from Warner Brothers movies throughout the history of the studio. So, you know, we have Flying Monkeys, we have King Kong, we have Batman. But we also get characters from Game of Thrones, The Matrix, A Clockwork Orange, of all things, <laughs> a reference to A Clockwork Orange in a kid's movie. Most kids aren't going to get most of these references, but I was sort of mildly annoyed slash disturbed that some of those characters showed up here. Yeah. All right, so you guys can read the full review at PluggedIn.com of Space Jam. You can also read the reviews for Black Widow and Summertime. Adam Holtz and I will be right back.
All right, you don't have to be reading the entertainment section of the newspaper to uh, to know that Britney Spears is in a court battle um, to regain control of her own uh, life. So there's a whole movement out there called Free Britney. It is actually a lead today in the New York Times and the Washington Post, among other news outlets. So I thought, since we've got Adam Holtz with us, Adam, what in the world is going on with Britney Spears and why is there a movement to free her? So this story is like a perfect storm of every major trend in the last 25 years. It starts with Britney Spears as a child star and her parents, Jamie and Lynn Spears, obviously being stage parents. Newsflash, people don't get to be child stars unless parents are there pushing, cajoling, manipulating, and they're present in every step of the way. So every time you watch TV and there's a little kid on TV, you can know there's a parent in the wings that is really pushing that. And obviously in 2008, Brittany had a moment where it seemed like she was not doing well. She had um, a psychiatric hold placed on her, uh, you know, because she remember she shaved her head. And um, this is the next spot of the trend, which is it has come out since then that the press, the paparazzi pressure and press treatment had really started to get to her. And so that's the sort of another feature of our culture So she was placed in a conservatorship, which is where somebody else is granted legal authority to manage your money and potentially manage your life. And in in Brittany's case, uh, and as we've since learned, it is everything that her father, Jamie Spears, is control of all the way down to her birth control, which she talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, that she wants to get married and have children, but she has an IUD that has been mandated by her dad. Um, and so the free Britney movement popped up online a while back. So this is one of these hashtag protest movements that is essentially wanting to give Britney, who's now 39, by the way, control of her life back. And so it has been in and out of the courts. Um, the first, uh, attempt recently to have Britney get her control of her life back. Her case was dismissed by the court. Uh, but now it looks like she's probably going to be going back to court. Uh, and so, it, like I said, it's sort of a perfect storm. Oh, and there was a documentary about her that came out on Netflix called Framing – excuse me, on Hulu uh, on um, called Framing Britney Spears uh, in February. And so, again, we, we got everything here. We got the internet. We got TV. We got paparazzi. We have child stars. And – Ultimately, I think we forget there's a real human being uh, at the center of it. And the thing that we don't know is we don't know the details that would have led the court to say Brittany is not competent to care for herself. And obviously, she totally looks like a victim the way the story is set up. And it's possible that she is. uh, But we also don't know what we don't know. Yeah, and uh, as a part of all of this, um, you know, she's got two sons who are now 14 and 15 years old. I mean, as you noted, she's 39 years old. Um, And so I do think that this is an interesting story. I do think that for, um, for people who are 
uh, interested in how the law works in this country, um, sometimes to the benefit and sometimes um, not to the benefit of families. This is a really, really interesting um, story to be following. All right. Anything in the Emmy nominations that you want to talk about? Uh, remind us what the Emmys are, because <laughs> it's it's apparently um, the season for talking about that. Well, you know, the Emmys once upon a time were. Is that the gold uh, statue thing or is that the Oscar? No, the Emmys, they uh, they have like a big ball. It's like an angel holding a globe-ish kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, the Emmys are TV awards. Okay. And the reason that you don't really hear about them anymore is because for a while now, very few Emmys are actually handed out to what we would think of as television. You know, for the longest time, it was it was network television. And then about 20 years ago you know, with the, the likes of The Sopranos and, and Breaking Bad and those sorts of things, we began to see cable companies competing. Well, now it's all streaming. I mean, the most nominations this year were for The Mandalorian on Disney, which got 24, and The Crown on Netflix, which also got 24, and WandaVision uh, on Disney+, Plus, which got 23 nominations. So um, it's interesting that the majority of the nominations are now for streaming services. In fact, they got more nominations for shows that are streaming than cable and broadcast TV combined. So now cable's kind of going the way of broadcast. I mean, it's all streaming now. And, and it even as we work at Plugged In, we often have very philosophical conversations about what qualifies as TV these days. You know, is streaming TV? Does it you know, deserve a totally different category for how we think about it. But certainly streaming is dominating in terms of what people still consider, what the Emmys still consider to be television. Uh, and the most popular shows in the world are showing up there. All right. If you guys go to PluggedIn.com, one of the things that you're going to see posted um, in the blog are the 10 best family-friendly games that you can play with your kids. Um, Adam, uh, just so that you know, we had a conversation earlier about games that we're playing at home uh, and we um i now have in my uh shopping basket a game called photosynthesis that nat's family plays and so ah. i'm going to be checking that out but want to encourage folks to check out the blog at pluggedin.com and everything else that's going on there adam holtz as always thank you so much for joining us man we really appreciate it you bet i love talking with you guys on friday mornings likewise all right we'll be right back All right. If you were to lose your giggle, how would you go about finding it again? That is actually the very provocative question that is teed up in the new book by Max Lucado. And you're going to say to yourself, huh, I feel like Max Lucado often writes about, you know, very serious topics. Well, in this case, he has written a board book for little children. Yep. That's because he has grandkids and you know, when we have grandkids, we start having conversations about deeply theological issues in a really different way. So if you've lost your giggle, Max Lucado and I are going to help you find it. We're also going to talk about a brand new book that he has co-authored with his daughter. The book is Anxious for Nothing. It's designed for young readers, that tween set, maybe 8 to 12 years old. So all of that is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 
This is Max Licato. I can bear witness to the power of God's grace. I could take you to the church, to the section of seats in the church. I might even be able to find the very seat in which I was sitting when this grace found me. I was a 20-year-old college sophomore living with a concrete block of guilt that had made a mess out of my life. But then I heard a preacher describe the divine grace that is greater than sin. At the end of the message, he asked if anyone would like to come forward and receive this grace. Iron chains couldn't have held me back. Truth be told, chains had held me back, but mercy snapped the guilt chains and set me free. I know this truth firsthand. Guilt frenzies the soul. Grace calms it. The benefit of being a great sinner is dependence upon a great grace. This is Max Locato. to have Max Lucado joining us again today. You hear him each and every day here on Mornings with Carmen, but we have him today for a live conversation. Max, welcome back. Well, hello to you, Carmen. I hope you're doing well, and thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. I am doing well. I have right here in my hands um, two brand new books by you, one that's for little kids, um, and you know, it's a it's a read to little kids book. Where'd my giggle go? And then um, your latest book, Anxious for Nothing for Young Readers, something that you wrote with Andrea, um, who we loved having on when she shared with us um, her first book, English Lessons. So looking forward to talking with you about both of these books today. Mm. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, these both these books are, are fun, fun projects, and uh, I hope they're as uh, as significant. Uh, for the reader as they were fun for us to uh, create. So let's start with Where'd My Giggle Go? Um, When I read this, I will confess to you, I thought of a couple of my grandchildren who um, from time to time go through what I can describe as like a sullen day. They will be, there will be this gloominess over them and their little giggle is gone. So tell me what, um, you know, what out of your experience produced this conversation about where'd my giggle go? Isn't it it interesting that so young in life, we're already experiencing emotions, uh, mood swings, uh, cloudy days. This this book uh, really came out of an effort on my part, like yours, to encourage my little my little granddaughter, Rosie, I dedicated it to her. Most of the time, she's just as cheerful as, as she can be. But I, I can recall that, you know, she would be grumpy or sad. And uh, I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful for us to help our kids uh, learn that they're not the victim of their emotions. Uh, emotions come like weather. They just seem to come into our uh, environment into our atmosphere, and then they can go. Some days we're we're cheerful, some days we're cranky, and that has a lot to do with a lot of things. And bless these little kids' hearts, they don't understand that. And also, they they haven't been taught, or until someone teaches them, they think they're the victim of their emotions. So this this little story uh, came out of working with little Rosie, asking her where your where your giggle went. 
And <laughs> she loves it, man. She can almost quote the first two or three pages of the book now. Oh, well, I'm sure. No giggles, no fun. No fun, no siree. No giggle is not the best way to be. That's a line from Max Lucado's Where'd My Giggle Go? Um, I really appreciated the effort that you made to cover, uh, you know, just a range of emotions in the book, joy, sadness, even anxiety, um, general grumpiness. Um, We see all of those in ourselves. We certainly see them in children. Helping children identify the different emotions seems to be a part of the exercise here. It is. It is. And, and, you know, uh, as adults, we lose our giggle, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is we all we all struggle with one level or another of moodiness. And um, the the strategy of this book was to uh, not only help the children uh, identify the 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 loss of the giggle. If I remember right, the first page is I woke up this morning with a frown on my face. I looked for my smile, looked all over the place. I looked high, I looked low, I looked out in the snow. Can someone tell me where'd my giggle go? And every one of us have have experienced that. So in the book, the little fella who loses his giggle goes on this, you know, worldwide search for his giggle, looking at the bakery, looking at the circus, looking everywhere for a giggle, and just can't find it. And then it dawns on him that maybe he can find his giggle if he can help other people find theirs. There's the the message, you know, that really true happiness happens when we help other people uh, find happiness. Uh, Jesus said, blessed, it is more blessed to give than receive. I mean, that's could hardly be simpler. It is more blessed. We are happier. We are blessed as givers than we are when we are receivers. And uh, learning to be a giver as opposed to being a receiver is really a step toward maturity, and uh, it's truly a step toward happiness. Yeah, so halfway through the board board book, which is Where'd My Giggle Go?, Um, our little friend, like discovers that, hey, um, maybe if I instead started serving others, um, helping others be happy, give them smiles, give them hugs, do things for others, um, that my, you know, I might, some joy might return to my own life. And that's, you know, precisely what what happens. And um, the the giggle, you know, you'll soon find your giggle again. So (laughs) it's just, it's such, it's so fun. It's so pleasant. Let's um well, let's I hope move it's a good lesson. I do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's um let's move to a conversation about anxious for nothing for young readers. Um because mm-hmm. I just I love it. I love that it reaches back to some things that you uh, that folks would be very very familiar with that you have written in the past. Um you are not alone and anxious for nothing. Um those are going to be books that many people in our audience would already be familiar familiar with. Tell us what you and Andrea have done in this book, um anxious for nothing for young readers. Well, um, the book Anxious for Nothing came out, I think it was four or five years ago, and, and was was extremely well received. I th- actually think it's the best-selling book of anything that I've done, not necessarily because of me, but because it struck uh, the need that we have, and that is that anxiety is a, it, it, it's of global pandemic proportions. Uh, more people are battling anxiety now than ever in our generation, and anxiety is simply taking its toll on our younger generation. Um, it's it's an endangered species, this inner peace. 
91% of people born after 1996, of course, that's Generation Z, reported symptoms of depression and anxiety. That came out just oh, a month ago on the CNN report. And according to the American Psychological Association, this is the worst mental health of any generation uh, in a century. These are staggering statistics. You know, the young people that that encircle us in our world are facing challenges that uh, many of us cannot relate to and understand, and there's certainly a different level, different type of challenges that we're facing, uh, that we faced as young people. So I, I, I just felt it right to try to take this teaching about anxiety that seemed well-received by grown-ups and recasting it somewhat to help the uh, the teenagers or the middle schoolers or even elementary schoolers to to understand uh, how to face the the challenges and struggles that they're facing and to deal with the anxiety that they're living with. Max Lucado and I are going to continue our conversation about uh, his new book, authored with his daughter Andrea Lucado. Um, we're going to return to the conversation about anxious for nothing. And we're going to talk about the acronym CALM, C-A-L-M. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Picking up uh, where we left off with Max Lucado. Um, Max, let's talk about the acronym that you introduce in the book, C-A-L-M. What do those stand for? Well, all of this is based, as, as you know, in Paul's the Apostle Paul's teaching in Philippians chapter 4, where the famous verse, uh, be anxious for nothing, is located. Uh, but if you move up on top of that passage and then move below it, you have Paul's four ideas for dealing with anxiety. Uh, first of all, you celebrate God. There's the C. Secondly, you ask God for help. Uh, all your prayers, your specific require, prayers are offered to God. And then you leave your concerns with him. And then lastly, you meditate on good things. These are the four big ideas found in that, in that scripture. And I think these four big ideas are ideas that uh, people of all ages can adapt and incorporate uh, in, into their day-to-day life. So when we're talking about um, teaching kids about I don't know, giving up on worry, like, right, moving away from being anxious, being anxious for nothing. I recognize that so often, like, our emotions are contagious. Um, there is this uh, emotional contagion that happens in our homes or in our cars or in any environment, you know, where we are spending time together. Just talk to adults who are listening about their own need to uh, be anxious for nothing and then in turn help younger people cultivate that same gift? Mm, what a great question. What a great question. Because uh, fear is contagious. We pick it up one from the other. So here's some big ideas, okay? Number one, anxiety is not a sin. It's just an emotion. It's just an emotion. Now, it can lead to sinful behavior, but anxiety is not a sin. So please don't feel guilty about feeling anxious. Anxiety is simply the... Uh, the, the alarm system of our heart uh, 
going on and not turning off. Everybody has an alarm system on their car or on their house, and it, it does a great thing. I mean, it keeps the bad guys away, but nobody wants to have it go on perpetually. And anxiety is simply when we can't get that thing to turn off. We catastrophize. We constantly compare ourselves with others. We don't trust anyone's uh, affirmation of us. We assume that something bad is going to happen. These are all manifest. We we can't sleep. We may even turn to uh, an abuse of drugs or alcohol to help us get through things. Let me quickly mention that appropriate medication uh, under the care of a professional physician is fine. It's fine to deal with anxiety. Some people just need a little help uh, to get back on balance. And so these are all manifestations of anxiety. So as grown-ups or as young people, whenever we feel anxious, we can just follow that acronym, and it'll help us. Now, it's a lifelong quest, but it'll help us. We celebrate God. We acknowledge that he's sovereign over everything. We ask God for help. There's the A. We specifically say, Lord, today I have a test or I have a challenge. Then we leave the concerns with him. And then we meditate on good things where the anxious thoughts have been taken out. Now we can meditate on positive, godly, good things. And as grown-ups, we can we can model this for our kids. We can even say, you know, I'm really worried, uh, honey, about my uh, work today. Uh, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust that God's in control. Or when we hear them bemoaning or specifically anxious about certain things, we can say, honey, why don't we just pray about it? Make a prayer out of your anxiety. Let's, let's give it to God specifically. You and me, let's just stop right here and, and offer a prayer. So we're, what we're doing is we're helping our children weather the storms of anxiety that, that come with life. Talking with Max Lucado, we are talking about uh, his brand new book, Anxious for Nothing. It's designed for young readers, 8 to 12 years old, and he wrote it alongside his daughter, Andrea. Um, Talk with us, Max, about this collaborative project, working with Andrea on this. Well, she's a lot better writer than her dad. That's one thing for sure. She's a delight to work with. Um, Every time I get a chance to partner with her in any kind of project, uh, I jump at the opportunity. Um, And Andrea, I think, uh, you know, is is a 35-year-old, understands much better how to communicate with young people than her dad, who is uh, 66 now. So it was a it was fun, and I'm so happy. I'm happy with the work she did. I'm extremely happy with the work the publisher did. Some special illustrations, uh, charts, uh, fill in the blank activities for young people. I can envision this being a terrific tool that parents could get for their kids or grandparents could get for their grandkids, and say, "Hey, let's read through this together, a chapter a day." especially as we're coming out of this pandemic. You know, I really think, Carmen, that the whole world is still in a state of trauma. I do. I mm-hmm. think we're beat up. We're bruised up. Uh, we also, we, uh, at last Sunday at, at church, we had prayer time. We filled the aisles with people just wanting prayer for healing. It, it, people are just worn out. And so anything we can do to help our kids uh, face this unusual and stressful time we live in, let's take advantage of it. 
So for those of you who have uh, read my book, you're going to really love chapter nine, which is think about what you think about, since that's what I talk about all the time. What are you thinking about? How are you thinking about what you're thinking about? Why are you thinking about that? What might you think differently about that uh, if you were to check in with the father about what he thinks about it? So um, there's all kinds of great equipping resources in the book, Anxious for Nothing for Young Readers. Um, There are places for you to have conversations and ask questions and um, explore things like, you know, when I say the word home, what comes to mind or where does your heart go? Um, Which, Max, is a conversation that um, my sister and I were like really surprised by. Um, I had this book with me when she and I were together recently, and I said, let me try this question out on you. And we're in our 50s, and when I said, I'm just going to say one word and tell me where your heart goes, and I said the word home, and she was really surprised that her heart went all the way back to this farm we lived on in Indiana, and we left there when I was six. So I'm just saying, like, your heart has different answers to some of these questions than your mind would, um, or than your, you know, resume might. So anyway, just thank you for what a uh, gift this book has already been to my family, and we look forward to sharing it with others. It is Anxious for Nothing for Young Readers by Max Lucado, along with his daughter, Andrea Lucado. Max, any uh, anything you want to say to listeners as we uh, conclude our conversation today? Well, I would say that God is writing a new chapter in your life. And if you've battled with anxiety, you're not alone. You're not alone in your battle. Uh, every person that exists uh, and, and has ever existed has battled with some form of anxiety. Uh, assume that something good is going to happen. Don't don't just assume you're always going to be uh, wrapped up in negative and anxious thoughts. Assume that that that's what faith is. Faith just says, "Okay, God, I know you're going to do something special, something better." So just just be looking forward to this new chapter in 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 your life, and and offer Lord a prayer of a blessing on all who are listening, every single one, that your blessed Spirit would lift them up. Those who know you, those who don't, those who run from you, those who run toward you, let let a blessing fall upon them, upon Carmen, upon all those who are listening today. We pray for that Spirit of peace that you've promised in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Max, thank you so very much. Of course. It's a treat to talk to you. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Hey, if you're listening, you know you hear him every single day. The program Upwards runs during Mornings with Carmen every single day. It's been fun to have him here with us live today talking about Where'd My Giggle Go? and Anxious for Nothing for Young Readers, both by Max Lucado. Max, thank you so much. You bet. All the best to you. All the best to you as well. We'll be right back. So I'm going to try not to gush. I might gush. I might gush. Someone just came by the studio and dropped off a bag of rhubarb. Rhubarb. I know, Nat, rhubarb. Can you believe it? That was such a wonderful I know. So Anne out there, um, if you're driving right now and you're listening, the gift has been received and I can hardly wait to eat it. All right. Um, Apparently, according to the Minnesota Harvest Calendar, we are right in the middle of the peak of 
rhubarb season. I don't know if you know how blessed you are that you live in a place where you can grow rhubarb um, and where your season for rhubarb is so long, apparently May to September. That's a really long growing season, a season of harvest. So today, let's be uh, considering what is the harvest of righteousness that God is producing in and through us? And are we people who are producing that good harvest of righteousness for God in every season? So uh, there you go. That would be my connection today between rhubarb season, the celebration of Anne, dropping off some rhubarb here at the studio, and making the connection there between the eternal and the everyday. What is the harvest of righteousness that God is cultivating in and through you today? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all the other good fruits of the Spirit. All right, that's all we got for you today. Have a great day, a great weekend. If you don't have plans, go ahead and join us at the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. Check it out, northwesternchristianwritersconference.com. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.